share with your wonderful congregation. Guys, I have been following you since you moved into this building. I remember when you first moved in. In fact, I came here with Brenda one day. She wasn't even a member herself. We came, and the place was just gutted, and there was Blake just working away with a few other people, and uh, he said, we've got a vision to turn this into a church, and wow, what great things God has done, Pastor Blake. God has been good, and now I see this. This is amazing what you guys have done, so praise the Lord. Well, I want to tell you a little bit about myself. Um, I have a ministry called Cornerstone Theater. A lot of people are going to say, theater, really? Well, that's what I asked the Lord one day, too. I said, theater, really? That's what you want me to do? I could be preaching. I could be doing praise and worship. He said, I gave you a gift of theater, and I want you to use it. Well, yes, sir, I will, but who wants theater? Well, I'm happy to tell you that everyone does. Around the world, churches are clamoring, begging me, inviting me to come and do theatrical productions. Why? Because you see, you can invite many people to come to church, and I'm sure all of you do. Invite people to come to church, and they will find every reason under the sun why they can't come. Oh, Sunday morning, gosh, that's my day to wash the cat. Gee, I wish I could come join you, you know? They've got a reason for everything why they can't come. But if you invite them to a theatrical production, they flood the place. The place is packed. Okay, so, and we sell tickets to the show. So I always say, Pastor, you know, if you don't want to come to church to hear the gospel for free, then we'll charge you money to come hear it somewhere else. But you're going to hear the gospel, and we're going to tell you about Jesus Christ. So we're going to do at least that much. So that's what my uh, uh, ministry is, is to go to different countries every six weeks and to raise up a production with the churches from that country in that language in that culture and we'll do a big drama a big musical and uh we will then do it for the congregation uh, sorry for the, uh, the congregation invites our friends and so we do it for just audiences there of thousands and then we see hundreds and hundreds saved and uh it's a wonderful way to bring people to jesus christ amen amen praise god well I want to show you a very short little video. In fact, it's only about 46 seconds long, but it'll kind of show you. These are productions that I do around the world, so this will kind of show you a little bit about Cornerstone. little bit about Cornerstone and uh, the wonderful thing you see all those actors they're all brothers and sisters they're your brothers and sisters in the Lord doing things and reaching people for Christ in their own countries you know you hear a lot of bad things going on in the world but I'm happy to say that many people are being saved around the world at the same time so it's great but you know so I want you to kind of pray for me a little bit about uh, when I preach today because I'm used to preaching through a translator Usually, I will say something in English, and then they'll say something. So that gives me a chance to think. So this is going to be a time to uh, 
talk without thinking, I guess. So, the, you know, uh, I was in um, I was in Tokyo, and uh, I was uh, preaching, and the girl was translating for me, and I had a point to make. So I had a not so funny joke, but it was a joke that really helped make the point at the time. So we got to that part of the message, and I was telling, and I and I told her, I said it's going to be a little bit of a joke. So kind of bear with me, and she said, okay. So I was telling the joke, and uh, when I got to the punchline, the people fell out of their chairs and were laughing hysterically for about like five minutes. We had to literally stop the message, and I, I was sitting there just kind of scratching my head going, it's not really that funny. Why is everybody laughing so hard? And I thought, well, maybe in their culture, it's considered very, very funny. So after the message was over, I uh, asked her, I said, what was so funny? Why was that considered so funny she said actually I've got a confession to make she said I didn't understand the joke she said so I told the people you know there she's listening she's going okay okay he's telling a joke mm -hmm. okay he's setting the joke up okay he's getting ready to say the punchline okay he said the punchline I don't know what it is but everybody laugh so <laughs> so everybody just roared just at that alone because she didn't even know what I was even talking about but she didn't want to make me feel bad so she had everybody just laugh just on cue so anyway so uh, I'm used to using a translator so I will uh, see how all this goes without, with me just speaking the whole time. Okay, but uh, you know, as exciting as my ministry is, there is a downside to it. Uh, I have been jailed in uh, Moldova, in Chisinau, Moldova for three weeks. I was put in prison for sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, I've also almost drowned in the Black Sea. I've been stoned in South Africa, and uh, let me see, and I've been beaten and robbed in Kenya. And uh, I've been left in the uh, jungles of uh, Panama with just me and the monkeys. And so <laughs> there's, I've got lots and lots of stories. One day I hope to share them with you. They're, uh, they're quite interesting. But at the same time, they're also faith uh, building because God was using every one of the situations to make me the man of God that I am today. And for all of you, it's not the easy times, it's the hard times that make you who you are today. So continue to grow in the Lord, no matter what is coming your way. So, you know, I just got back from Nicaragua. We just did a show uh, there called The Judgment Seat, and we saw about 600 people come to the Lord, about 200 people come to the Lord every night, and that was a real blessing for me. But while, while I was there, we were experiencing earthquakes the whole time I was there. So it was a little bit scary. I was going, Lord, please don't let the building cave in on us at the time. You know, Luke 21, 11 says, there will be great earthquakes, famines, and pestilences in various places, and fearful events and great signs from heaven. You know, what's going on in our world today? I'm sure you've noticed the very same thing I'm noticing. You're seeing this group, uh, ISIS, growing and uh, causing all kinds of terrible things. Boko Haram out of Nigeria, who've now decided to join forces with ISIS. What about this Ebola crisis? People say, well, we're not hearing so much about it, so it must have gone down. No, it's getting worse. They're just not reporting on it anymore. That's kind of scary for me. You know, there's so many other things, too. You know, the war in uh, Ukraine, uh, Russia taking over and eating up 
Ukraine's land, all this, all these things that are going on, the earthquakes in Nicaragua as well. You know, it's nothing but a simple thing. And that's that we're experiencing the birth pangs of a new era. The earth right now is groaning in travail for a great event that's about to happen. And that's the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord is coming back for his church. So come quickly, Lord Jesus. So today, nothing's more important for you and for me than for us to be in prayer and to be evangelizing our people in the last days. When Jesus comes back, I want him to find me busy about his business. That's what I want to be doing. I want to bring glory to God. But the way we're going to bring glory to God is on our knees, by praying, by moving the church forward. For us to move forward, we cannot stay where we are spiritually. We've got to transition to be more like Jesus Christ. We, want, we need to transition from just simply sitting every Sunday to getting out and making a difference in our community by becoming soul winners. And the only way you can do that is by committing yourselves to prayer. Ephesians six eighteen says, And pray in the Holy Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert, and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. So I told you I want to talk to you about prayer and evangelism. So let's start with prayer. You know, first of all, just a little known fact, the devil does not want you to succeed. Okay, so he's working against you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, trying to make you fail. And yet, we're praying, oh, what, five minutes a day? Uh, gee, you know, I'm not really good at math, but I think you know, the odds are stacked against us if this is how much we're praying. We've got to really be praying more, and we've got to be praying on the offense, not on the defense. So we've got to make sure that we're moving forward. You know, if, if I could narrow all of existence down to this one concept, it would be this, that there are two kingdoms at war with each other right now. There's a kingdom of light, and there's a kingdom of darkness. And every day, the kingdom of darkness is trying to come into the kingdom of light and take people into the kingdom of darkness. Through the media, through movies, through television. And every day, the kingdom of light is going into the kingdom of darkness, trying to pull people out of darkness and into the light. And that's even happening even today in this service. So are you, how are you being pulled? You know, the enemy doesn't want you to hear this message. He'd rather you go to sleep. He'd rather you think about anything else. And it's true. We can sometimes sit. I often sit, you know, and just think, oh, man, I forgot to do this. And sometimes in a service, I'll even go, you know, I know he's preaching, but I've really got to make these points. Or I've got to make out my agenda for the week. We don't know that we're promised a tomorrow. We've got to be about the Father's business because we don't know that we could be standing in front of him in a few minutes. I hope not. You know, and I, or we might be in front of him tomorrow. We're not promised a tomorrow. So let's focus in on what God is saying to the church. He wants me to speak to you. I've been praying about this for the last two days, and the Lord said, this is the message I want you to deliver to Victory Church. So this is for you guys. So why, so let's talk about prayer. Why pray? Well, there's five reasons why you must pray. Number one, you can't experience victory in the physical 
until you experience victory in the spirit. You know, uh, when I go to the airport and I want to buy a ticket, I don't just go to the agent and say, hi, I'm here and I want to buy a ticket. She'll say, what's the first question she'll ask me? To where? Oh, well, you know, just, you know, just wherever you want to send me. Just, oh, I don't care what tickets have you got available. She would look at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> and yet that's kind of the way we treat God. Oh, God, send me to the nations. Oh, hallelujah, use me, God, for your glory. He's going, okay, how? Uh, well, uh, you know, just use me. Oh, hallelujah, use me, oh, God, praise the Lord. Okay, and how would you like that to be, son? Well, you know, just open some doors, Lord, that I can go minister. Okay, we've got to be a little bit more specific. And guys, the only way you can be specific with God is for you to spend time in prayer, for you to discover what your heart is telling you. You know, uh, a young man asked me, how do you know what God's will is for your life? It's two things. Number one, something that you're good at, because God's given each one of us a gift. Number two, it's something that you like to do. God wants you to have the desires of your heart. So he's given you a love for a specific thing. And it's different for each one of us. When you mix those two things together, you're going to find what God's will is for your life. Now, one young man told me, he said, well, but I can't make a living doing that. I'm not talking about making a living doing that thing. You know, for example, the Apostle Paul was called to write the majority of the New Testament, and yet he worked as a tent maker. So we all have, could be working in a tent-making uh, business, but have uh, God's will be in another area. So find out what God's will is for you and what he wants you to be doing, and you need to be busy doing that. Number two, why pray? So that you can be at peace with God. You know, many people aren't at peace in their life because they're not at peace with other people. They're not at peace with other people because they're not at peace with themselves. And they're not at peace with themselves because they're not at peace with God. Spend time with God. He wants to clear up a lot of these terrible situations that we put ourselves in. So give him all those situations. Cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. Number three, why pray? Well, God's needing for us to pray so that we can finally allow him to be in charge. You know, a few years ago, uh, God gave me a vision of myself. It's kind of like this screen here. He said, son, I want to show you a picture of who you are in the spirit. And uh, the Lord showed me just kind of like the screen came on. And it was like a real close-up of me, kind of like from the waist up. And I'm wearing this incredible armor. I'm like in shiny wonderful armor and I've got this great sword and I've got a shield and I got to tell you I looked great <laughs> I did I was I said God is that me he said yes son that's you and I was fighting I was going ha ho ho I mean I looked good I was going wow this is amazing God thank you for showing me who I am in Christ he said you're welcome he said, good, now let's pan back. Let's pan out of that. Let's zoom out of that shot. So as, as the camera <laughs> zooms out, it's me still out there in the middle of a field, all by myself, fighting. Ha, ho, who? But over there, about a block away, this huge battle is raging. 
thousands of people. The soldiers are fighting and calling for help, and there's people going into battle, and people are falling and dying, and I'm over here all by myself. Ha! Who? Ho! God said, put your sword back in your sheath, son, get back in line, and wait for me to call you. You know, there's a reason why the church is not as effective as they could be, and that's that Imagine each one of us are fighting our own battle. How effective would the church be if we said, Lord, we're going to get in line behind Pastor Blake. He's got a vision. He's got a strategy for our church and for each one of our lives, and we're going to listen to him. Imagine if we were all praying in unity. What could God do through this church? It would be incredible. It would be amazing. And that's what God wants. Listen to your pastor. He's got a prayer strategy. I'm not saying don't pray for your needs. Of course, you've got to do that. But don't think you're all alone and trying to fight your own battle. There's an entire army here ready to support you if you'll all just kind of unify together and do it together. Number four, why pray? So that you can be strong enough to take a stand for God's kingdom. You know, the more you pray, the more confident you are in Christ. You know, uh, while I was in Nicaragua, this is just the most recent um, uh, thing that I can think of, is that I was in bed just in the morning, and I was having some sexual temptations. And, you know, and uh, so just suddenly some thoughts came into my mind and some other thoughts and some other thoughts and I'm going no I don't want to think about that I don't want and I was really just kind of half asleep half awake and these thoughts are just kind of bombarding me and you know and then suddenly it's like the Lord said son pray and I went that's right I said Satan you want to I said you want to uh, attack me every time you bring me a thought like that I'm going to pray in the spirit and so what happened is that this thought this vision came to my mind hallelujah lord i just started praying in the spirit and i started praying 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 and then that stopped another thought came hallelujah lord i started praying in the spirit again and then another one came and i started praying and praying and praying and guess what all those things just stopped they went away and God's saying, that's the power of prayer, son. If you'll just put it to use, I want to use it. There's one show that I do called The Bride, and it's where the bride is the church. She's being attacked and, uh, by the devil, and uh, she's trying to fight the devil off, and the devil destroys everything she has except for one gift, the gift of faith. And finally, she, at the end, she's on her knees crying, and the Holy Spirit and the angels come. They're gathered around her. And she says, where were you when I needed you? And the Holy Spirit said, I was here all along waiting for you to call me. Don't try to fight the battle alone. God's given you an effective weapon. It's called prayer. Use it. Number five, why pray? To prove your love for God. You know, God loves you so much. He desires to, to commune with you. But how many of you have friends that, well, the only time they call you is when they need something? Okay, imagine that we're having this conversation. Okay, um, I'm going to go visit uh, Pastor Blake. Okay, but, and I get to his house, but I'm on the cell phone. Now, I don't know that he can hear me, but I'm outside and I'm just talking to my 
friend and I'm telling him, yeah, look, I've got to go visit uh, Blake. Yeah. You know, he's kind of expecting it. It means a lot to him when I go to visit him. I know. No, no, I don't really want to go visit him. But, but look, I, I do that every day for five minutes because it means a lot to him and it makes him feel special. And so, look, I'm going to go do that. Okay. And then after that, you and I will go hang out. Well, I know it's boring, but, you know, it's okay. We don't really have a lot to talk about, but, but you know, I just want him to feel loved and everything because I'm a Christian after all. So, yeah, okay. So, okay, well, then after that, you and I will go and have a good time. Okay, good. Okay, we'll talk to you soon. All right, good. Thanks. Okay, bye. Okay, he's heard everything, okay? Now here I go to the door. Ding dong. Pastor Blake, my brother. Hey, how's it going? Oh, man, it's so good to see you. Hey, you look good. like that tie. Hey, um, wow, nice house, good, yeah, great. Hey, um, well, um, um, so how's your family? Mm-hmm, 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 great. And your church? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, great. Uh, okay, okay, oh, listen, uh, there's a few things I need from you. Uh, look, um, remember you told me you were going to give me some money, and I kind of need that money, okay, so I really need to do that. Could you also speak nicely to some other people about me? I want to make a good impression on them, and they really listen to you, so could you kind of make a good imp- make me look good in front of them? Okay, great, and uh, and also just a few other things that I really need. Uh, if you could just kind of maybe go wash my car. I need that done really bad, uh, and just a few other things, but anyway, I'll see you tomorrow. Hey, love you, man. How do you suppose he would feel terrible he would he he'd be in shock he wouldn't know what to do with himself and yet that's how we treat god okay well yeah i've got to go spend five minutes with god he's expecting it okay but okay but then after that i can kind of go and go about my day but okay god uh okay so uh let me see and go okay hallelujah you are holy uh-huh. Yeah, you're mighty and you're wonderful and all that. Uh, let me think. Uh, yeah, uh, you uh, bless your church. Yeah, and bless you know everybody else who I can't think of at the moment. And oh yeah, but God, I need this and I need a new car. And God, I need more money. And you promised me I was going to get a raise. And and I want this. And God, I want all these people to think that I'm a really great guy. So can you make them think that I'm this great guy, even though I'm probably not? And uh, God, you know, etc. 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 Okay, God. Well, my five minutes is up. Love you. See you tomorrow. God's going, really? Really? And you want me to answer your prayers, huh? Really? And you know what? God loves us so much, he does it anyway. He answers our prayers when we don't even deserve it. Guys, spend time with God. He loves you. He loves you so much. You know, let me show you how much he loves you. You know, if you were to call Allah your father, That would be blasphemy. They would kill you. They would stone you. That's blasphemy. You can't call Allah your father. He's your God. He's not your father. What about Buddha? You can't say Buddha's your father. They'll think you're crazy. But yet it was Jesus himself who taught you. He said, this is how you pray. When you pray, pray like this. Say, our Father who is in heaven. How amazing is that, that the God of the universe wants to have anything to do with us. He loves us so much, he bends down to hear our every need. He loves us. He loves you. So spend time with him. He's worthy of much, much more than five minutes. Give him your heart. 
He wants to spend time with you. And when you do, you're going to discover the heartbeat of God, which is my second point, evangelism. That's the heartbeat of God is evangelism. You know, in the middle of every revival is evangelism. And I'm not talking about the church's evangel uh, revival. I'm talking about your personal revival. In the middle of your personal revival is evangelism. When you're telling people about Jesus, you're never more on fire than at that time. And how much more so if that's happening in the church? That happens in the church as well. You know, God doesn't measure a church by how many people come to the church, but by how many are working for his kingdom. You know, an army isn't judged by how many can fit into the cafeteria to be fed. No, an army is measured by how effective they are on the battlefield. And that's the way the church needs to be. Having a large crowd on a Sunday morning, some of these churches are huge, and they've got tens of thousands of people. Look at our church. Our church is great. I hear some people talking about their church. Wow, our church does this, and our pastor did this, and our worship team is amazing. And did you know that our programs do this and that? And I'm going, where in the middle of all that grand and glorious conversation is the word Jesus? We're not here to glorify a man, to glorify a church. We're here to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. So having a lot of people doesn't mean you've got a big, effective church. No, it takes prayer. It takes training to transition these people into soul winners. And this year is a time to transition, church, from just simply being here to getting out in the streets and telling people about Jesus. Never more in the history of the world do, do we need to be out there telling people about Jesus Christ. They're going to hell wondering why we're different. That's not helping anything just because I'm nice. I opened the door for somebody. Okay, I did my Christian act for the day. That's not doing anything. We've got to verbally tell them about Jesus Christ. You know, having a church is great, but it can, only come, it can only be secondary to soul winning. Having praise and worship, children's ministry, any other program you want is effective and it's great in the church, and I welcome them, certainly, but they can only come secondary um, next, to, next to soul winning. So just remember that. You know, there's, a, there's an attack right now in our world like we've never seen. You know, uh, it's not just the media that's talking about it. The church is talking about it as well. You know, ISIS, Boko Haram, Ebola, the gay agenda, we were talking about all that earlier. But, you know, that's just one side of the attack from the enemy. I'm more concerned about the other side of the attack that Christians aren't seeing, and that's that the church in the middle of all that is asleep. The church is doing nothing. And we're hearing about all these beheadings and, and, and all these terrific things happening, these horrific things happening out, uh, well, in the media and overseas. And the church is doing nothing. Oh, tisk tisk, what a shame. Oh, well, let's go and grab a burger. I was telling some young people about uh, what had happened to the 21 um, Christians who were martyred just recently. The 21 who were beheaded by ISIS. The 21 Christians, our brothers, who were beheaded. And I was telling some young people, I said, 
I said, it's a shame. I said, look at this. I said, 21 Christians were beheaded. And they went, yeah, wow, that's terrible. Uh, hey, what kind of pizza do you want? Do you want pepperoni? Do you want... Are we so asleep? Have we lost our way? Have we lost our whole purpose of living that we think television is more important than bringing people to Jesus Christ? The church has never been more asleep than it is today. We care about everything except the things of God. The enemy wants it that way. Oh, listen to all the secular music. You got to keep up with the latest trends so you'll be cool. Oh, forget about church stuff. Forget about the kingdom of God. Forget about all everything eternal. Let's talk about the mundane things of life that are going to change tomorrow anyway. Guys, we've got to be busy about the kingdom. We've got to wake up and realize that the enemy is trying to take our land and we're not going to stand for it. We're going to wake up and we're going to make a difference. We're going to push back the darkness. We've got to push back the darkness. And how do we do that? We, how do we take our cities back for God one soul at a time? That's how we do it. Each time that one person gets saved, that means that our community, our church, becomes one candle brighter. They now carry the torch for Jesus Christ. Every time one person gets saved, the world becomes one candle brighter. You know, when, when churches start, when, uh, when there's like a little newborn church, there's only like 10 members, everybody is so excited. I mean, all the members, they're all cleaning bathrooms and cleaning the carpet, and they're also on the praise and worship team, and they're also caring for the children, and they're also cooking, and they're doing absolutely everything. And you've never seen a church more excited. They're all in revival. They're all excited. They're all busy about the kingdom of God. But as the church grows, they kind of lose that excitement. And now, you know, you're going, hey, would you help me um, clean this? Oh, well, uh, can you talk to the housekeeping staff about that? That's not my part. Oh, could you help with the children? Oh, that's not my department. Sorry. <laughs> talk to somebody else. And suddenly, we've kind of, we start losing that revival we can't lose that. We've got to keep that small church mentality because it's all about you and me serving God. It's not about, forget about the masses. It's just you. And in fact, let me just talk about that. You know, I was in Poland recently and, um, and I was just, uh, you know, I don't understand Polish and I don't understand the, the music there. Every, all the words were in Polish and everything they're singing about is in Polish. And I don't know the song. I don't even, I've never even heard that tune. I don't know the words. And so I'm just going, do, 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 do. And I'm just thinking about all kinds of things. I'm thinking, okay, I've got to go do this this week. And I've got to go buy groceries. And I've got to do this. And God said, what are you doing? Oh, well, I don't understand the language, God. God said, that has nothing to do with you worshiping me. You know, you could be the only one in this church who comes in here. And there's no worship team. There's no pastor. There's no pastoral leadership here. You're the only one sitting in here. You should be able to leave here going, wow, that was a great experience. Man, that was amazing. A great church service depends on you. Not the pastor, not the worship team, not whoever else it it depends on you if you open your heart and say god speak to me here i am lord change me 
make me the man of God that you want me to be, you'll leave here going, yes, yes, wow, I've got it. And that's what we need to do. Forget about the masses. It's just got to be about you. And that's where you're going to see revival happen in your life. You know, that excitement can be here today. That revival can be here today. You know, the question I'm always asking is this, must revival come to an end in a church? No. Everyone, turn your Bibles to 2 Kings 4. Okay, all that was the introduction, and now I'm going to preach. <laughs> the funny thing is you're laughing, and uh, you think that's funny. <laughs> you think that I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. Actually, I am kidding. <laughs> okay, let's, uh, let's turn, uh, let's, let's look at verses 1 and 2. Okay, that's 2 Kings 4, verses 1 and 2. It says, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Verse two, Elijah said, what do you have in your house? She said, nothing, nothing but a jar of oil. Now, oil is a type of the Holy Spirit. Some of you have been believing God for some answers to your prayers and well, you're disappointed, and you're down to like a little jar of oil. You feel like, well, this is all I've got, just a little bit of faith for me to hang on, for me to try to move on in the things of God. And that's fine. God sees you, and he's blessing you during that time. In verse 3, Elijah said, that's fine. Go and borrow as many empty vessels as you can find, and do not gather just a few. You know, the Holy Spirit wants us to fill empty vessels. Our cities are filled with people with empty hearts, broken lives, shattered dreams. They're the empty vessels. They're the ones who need Jesus. God wants to bring them to the house so that he can fill them. Fill them with his goodness, with his love, with his mercy, and with his blessings. What is God saying to the church today? God is saying, go to the highways and byways and bring in all those empty vessels that you find along the way. And he says, don't just gather a few. Gather all that you can find and bring them in every week so that I can fill them to overflowing. Let's look at verse 4. Elijah said to her, when you have come in with all your vessels, shut the door behind you and you shall begin to pour into every vessel. Now, here's how revival works. I'm in church. God fills me. God empowers me. God fills me to overflowing. I go out. I'm empowered. I go out, and I grab somebody, and I'll say, hey, come to church with me. We, too, come together, and we listen to God. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. We're filled to overflowing. We're both empowered, so we both go out. I go this way. He goes that way, and we bring somebody else to the church. So now there's four of us. Now all four of us are listening. We're getting filled up. We're being empowered. All four of us go out. We all grab somebody. We all come back. Now there's eight of us. And we say, Lord, listen to the eight of us and fill us to overflowing and anoint us so we go out and do more. So all eight of us go out and we grab somebody, etc., etc. And that's how revival works. Isn't that amazing? That's God's way to increase his church. Now, I want to ask you a question. If you have a shepherd who has a flock of sheep, and, um, well, it's time for the sheep to have, you know, to give birth, 
whose responsibility is it to have more sheep? The shepherd or the sheep? It's up to the sheep to bring in more sheep, not the shepherd. You see, the shepherd's job is to make sure that the sheep are fed, protected, and watered. And if he's done his job, the healthy sheep go out and make more sheep. And they make more sheep and more sheep and more sheep. That's kind of the way nature is. Yet the problem with the church, they sit there and they go, well, you know, if the pastor would do more, if he'd keep pre stop preaching the same sermon every week. Or, wow, is the praise and worship team going to sing that same song over and over? I'm so sick of it. Wow, if that's our attitude, well, then we're going to be the most miserable of all as we sit in the congregation because it's, it's become all about me and not about what I can do. You know, a, a young girl was telling me, she goes, why do I need to go to church? She said, I can listen to great praise and worship on the Internet. I said, well, um, just because you're supposed to. You know, I, I, didn't, I was kind of at a loss of what to say. And she said, you know, she said, if I want to hear a good message, I could just listen to a bunch of good messages on YouTube. I was going, well, because the Bible says, forsake not the fellowship of the you know, believers, la, la, la. But I felt kind of sheepish, and I didn't really have much of a response. Later on, the Lord said, you don't go to church for yourself. You go to church for others. You go to serve. You go to be a blessing. And that's what God wants each one of us to do. When we come in, we're here to go, here am I, Lord. Send me. Use me. How can I be used for your glory? But if we're the ones sitting back and waiting, we're not going to be very effective. In fact, we're going to be a little bit weak. <clears throat> Imagine that every, the only time you ate a meal was when you came on Sunday morning and the church was to feed you wonderful roast beef and vegetables and a baked potato and bread and hot apple cobbler okay a la mode why not okay and it was a great meal and you had a fantastic meal very nutritious but the next meal you're going to get is when you come back the next sunday morning how are you going to feel pretty weak aren't you and imagine that the only meal you ever got your entire week was at church on sunday morning that was it how weak would you be very that's how okay and yet that's how many people that's what a lot of people do well i'm going to go to church on sunday morning and let him feed me oh uh, okay feed me uh, put it right here uh okay see you next sunday morning how spiritually weak is that person very we've got to be about the father's business on our own we've got to hear from god on our own i've got to go feed myself every day spend time in the word with god so that i can know him so that i can be spiritually strong that's what makes me spiritually strong if i'm spending time watching tv all day long gee i wonder who's going to win that battle my flesh or my spirit man but the more time i spend with god the stronger my spirit man grows the more i want to know about god suddenly god is fascinating and interesting suddenly tv is not interesting tv is boring but when i'm spending my time in front of that in front of that other god then we want to listen to that god we want to hear what that god has to say and not the real god the god of the universe so guys 
really make sure that you're feeding yourself so that you'll be spiritually strong. Okay, that wasn't part of my message, but that's just a bonus. No extra charge. Thank you. Okay, sure. So that's how revival works. <laughs> Let me kind of go back to my, that's why I take notes so that I can stay on course. Otherwise, I'll just kind of go off somewhere else. <laughs> okay, great. Okay, so let's read uh, verse 5. <clears throat> she went away from him and shut the door behind her. The sons brought her the vessels, and she poured the oil out. Now, the question here is, will the widow's miracle ever have to stop? Did God eventually say to her, okay, lady, that's enough, that's enough. Okay, not anymore. I've only got a limited amount of oil back here, and you're using it all up. Don't be greedy now. There's other people who need a blessing. God's miracles, God's blessings are limitless. They're forever he will never run out. As long as we keep doing what we're supposed to be doing, he'll continue to flow and to flow into us and keep blessing us and blessing us. It never runs out. God's miracles will never run out. He wants revival to continue. That's what he wants to happen. Amen. You see, God will keep pouring the oil or his Holy Spirit as long as there's empty vessels for him to fill. Now, does the Holy Spirit have to stop pouring himself out on the church? No, the answer is no. As long as every member continues to bring in empty vessels, each week lost souls. It's in this way that God will keep on working and the Holy Spirit will keep on filling. Isn't that great? That's how it works. Now, something happened. Let's look at verse 6. Now it came to pass that she said to her son, Son, bring me another empty vessel. And the son said, There are no empty vessels. Uh, and it's at that time then that the Holy Spirit, that the oil ceased. You know, many, many people are saying, you know, I'm tired of bringing in empty vessels. Or I come and I sit every week at church. I'm faithful. That's enough. No, it's not enough. We've got to be bringing in empty vessels. We'll say, you know, I'm tired of doing that. I just, I'm here. God wants us to be busy about his business, and that's to bring people in to Jesus Christ. Otherwise, we're going to see the Holy Spirit stop moving. As long as there's empty vessels, God will keep filling and moving. And that's what we need, don't we? Amen. You know, of all the programs in your church, none have to stop. They can all continue to grow. But the minute that your church loses its sense of purpose, its sense of direction, it will then cease to stop being blessed by the Holy Spirit because now they're going about religious things and not about the things that the Father wants for that church. Well, you know, we're not going after numbers, but each soul one to Christ means that our city is shining one candle brighter. It's true, we're not all called to be evangelists, but how many of you know that we're all called to be soul winners? We're all called to be soul winners. We're all called to make disciples of the nations. Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Do you want revival in your church? Start with prayer and end with evangelism. It's that simple. So I want to invite the musicians to come up now. You know, today I want to talk, though, to some of you. You know, I was talking about that empty vessel. And, you know, there might be some of you here today. You feel like there is no vision 
in your life. There's no hope in your life. There's no future in your life. My friend, God wants to bring you to overflowing. God has a vision for each one of you. God has a hope he wants to put in your life to make you the man and woman of God that you desire to be, but even more so that he desires for you to be. God has an exciting future ahead of you. He wants to fill you to overflowing. Having a relationship with Jesus Christ will fill your heart with eternal purpose, but most of all with eternal life. God wants to empower you, to bless you, and to use you for his glory. You might have tried on your own. You might have tried looking for money, looking for power, looking for fame. I don't know what it is that you're looking for, but the only one you're going to find it in is in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only answer. If you need a touch from God, God wants to meet with you today.